So I get a break today, and I am going to enjoy being part of the congregation as Benton comes forward and gives uh, the message to us. So y'all keep him in prayers and keep our hearts and minds open to what God speaks through him. Good morning. Uh, I can tell you honestly, I'm a little nervous, so I'm going to ramble about two or three minutes so I really get into my groove before I start speaking on uh, you know, the scripture and all that. Um, and i like to tell you guys that Alpha means a lot to me. Um, and 180 years of, of serving God faithfully is um, just an absolutely amazing accomplishment. And we hope that you know, Alpha can stay open for, for even longer. Um, this church, you know, while I was in the military for almost nine years, uh, we, we attended this church for six of those years. Um, this is one of two churches that I've been a member of in my life. Uh, was the first church that I was a member of in my life. So it means a lot to me. Um, and there's a lot of people in this church that took care of my family while they were, um, you know, without me while I was deployed back and forth to Afghanistan and Iraq. So um, I just want to say thank you. Um, and also, big thanks to Tommy. Never met the man, never talked to the man before this morning, and, you know, he has a lot of faith in me. I hope I don't let him down. I'm sure I won't, but, you know, we'll see. It's okay to laugh. Uh, I don't mind the occasional amen and or, you know, clapping and or whatever else you want to throw at me. So, with that being said, um, today we're going to read a little bit out of Genesis chapter 32, uh, and I believe context is important in the Bible. So I want to tell you guys the why I selected this, um, this particular, particular scripture and this particular story for homecoming. Um, so I'm the youth director at a, a Baptist church in Florida, um, and for the past almost 32 weeks now, we've been in Genesis, taking it a chapter at a time. Uh, so the fact that we landed last week on Genesis chapter 32, and it just happened to coincide with homecoming, this story comes from Jacob, uh, or you know Jacob's story right before he comes home to meet his brother Esau. Uh, so that really resonated with me um, as it, you know, being a homecoming message. Um, the story itself is about coming home um, and about facing fears and facing adversity. So if you would li ri like to read along with me, I'm going to be um, Genesis chapter 32, verses 9 through 12. I have uh, the ESV printed out. That's what I read with. Um, so uh, starting at verse 9, And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac. O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do good, or that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds and steadfast love of all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed the river Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you have said, or but you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sands of the sea, which cannot be numbered for the multitude. Now, up to this point, Jacob has been, you know, a trickster. Uh, he, there's a couple of times where he kind of, 
touched base with God, but he never really gave himself to God. Um, so it's kind of at this moment in his life where it's really a, a big turning point for him because he's been working. Uh, he's tricked his brother Esau earlier in life, you know, twice, took his birthright for a bowl of soup and then stole his blessing from his father. And so the last words that Esau spoke in the Bible before this section was, I will kill my brother once my father dies. Pretty harsh words, right? And I'm sure Jacob heard that because Jacob and his mother were very close. So um, Jacob is very afraid, very afraid. And that's, I mean, that's, that's part of it. I mean, that's part of life, right? Um, we've all done things in our lives that we're not necessarily proud of, kind of like Jacob. Um, we've, you know, we've burned bridges, we've held grudges, and um, sometimes God calls us back to places where it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult for us to go. Um, and oftentimes, it's not just for God's glory, but it's for healing for us. You know, we, we have those places where we've held grudges and we should have really forgiven somebody. Um, this can be hard. We don't like to admit that we were wrong as people. We, as, you know, I'm, my father's very prideful. I inherited that trait in many aspects. Um, I take a point of pride in a lot of things, and I can be very prideful. So it's hard for me sometimes to admit that I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it'll tell you that back when we were in the military, I wouldn't admit that I was wrong because she is my better half. Half of me is always right. So I was never wrong. Um, thankfully, I've learned a little bit of humility on occasion, but, you know, and so, you know, at the on the same token then, Amanda can never be wrong, right? So we'll, we'll tread lightly on that one. Um, but um, shortly after this section of scrip Scripture, Jacob physically wrestled with God. Like, physically wrestled with God. And how often do we wrestle with God over things that really are just trivial? You know, we worry about things here and we worry about things there that are just so far out of our control. We watch, you know, we watch the TV and we watch people telling us what to do and how to think and we, we really get worried about what's going on over here versus what's going on over there. And it, it consumes us. It consumes our entire lives. Um, it's the world is a complicated place. It's scary. It's not just black and white. It's not easy anymore, right? So I wanted to I wanted to give you a couple of examples of um, different people who are in similar situations to Jacob. Uh, David, in Psalms chapter 3, he was basically kicked off the throne by his own son. Facing adversity, facing real adversity, he was being hunted down by his own son who had dethroned him. And starting verse 1, he said, O oh Lord, how many are my foes and how many are rising up against me? Uh, many, are saying, many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. It's okay to be afraid in the face of adversity. 
It's okay to be afraid in such perilous times. But there's a difference between us and the rest of the world. And that's where we put our hope and that's where we put our faith. Because the world puts its faith in men and its hope in men. Where do we put our faith? I heard somebody say it. Of course it's Shirley. (laughs) Time after time, um, men and women in the Bible have faced just absolutely devastating circumstances, utter annihilation, and even genocide. But God, or they falter several times over in the Bible. I mean, I'm I'm a huge Old Testament fan. Love the Old, or love the New Testament. Can't do anything without Jesus. I believe that. But huge Old Testament fan. I study the Old Testament like it's no tomorrow. G, like Genesis is, it's where I stay uh, a lot of times. It's just so good. But um, there are so many times when people falter, and you know people go through these things. You got Abraham. Abraham had his struggles. Isaac, Jacob. Joseph. Joseph got sold into slavery, thrown into prison, waited for two or three years to somebody that, to remember that he had a dream one time that he interpreted. Um, Moses, <laughs> Mo, man, if you read Exodus, Moses faced a lot. Moses faced a lot of adversity, even from within the church. Joshua, Gideon, David, I mean, every one of the prophets died. They faced major adversity, and they depended on God. Jesus himself faced major, major struggles. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that Jesus actually sweat, and he was so stressed out about what was coming that his sweat became blood. He was so stressed out that capillaries in his forehead burst, and he was sweating blood. Have you ever been that stressed in your life? I can't say that I have. You know, getting up here and speaking can be a little stressful, but once I get going, I'm okay. So, but, I mean, to just think about the circumstances. Think about Jesus' pain and Jesus' struggle, that he was so stressed out that blood was coming out of his forehead. Like, he was so stressed that that's, that's where he was. But his faith never faltered. Our faith should be the same way. Going back to, uh, to Psalm 3 for just a second, David continued, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter up of my head. One second. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. That's faith. We serve a God that is faithful, steadfast, unwavering, and unyielding in his love for us. He wants the best for us even when we directly go against his will. And we do it often. I am, you know, like Paul said, chief amongst the sinners sometimes. <coughs> but he wants us to come home. He wants us to come home. He wants us to be with him. What does that look like for us? The prodigal son, you know, it was just a story, but he experienced it. He had that moment or that breakdown where he realized, what am I doing, man? What am I doing? 
I could go back home. I'm, I'm sitting here and slop with pigs. I could go back home and just be a servant for my father and be better off. David experienced the same thing when the prophet Nathan came up and exposed him for his adultery. And for those of you who know that story, it was a lot more than just adultery. And David immediately repented. And that's, you know, that's kind of the watchword of this, is we need repentance in this world. We need resurrection. We need revival in the churches. This this faith, this coming home, you know, it looks like forsaking the way of the world and holding fast to the one truth that serves as the real light in a dark world. Humbling yourself when you know that you've been holding on to that sin. You've been holding on to that grudge. You've been holding on to that struggle when you should just give it to God. And it's having a relationship with our Father. There's a a Christian singer. His name is Brian Luttrell. He has a song um, called Welcome Home, and I'd like to read you just a small, very small section of that song. It's part of the chorus. Um, It says... You're never far, and this is, you know, coming from God. You're never far. I will be where you are. And when you come to me, you can bet I will open my arms. Welcome home, you. I know you by name. How do you do? I shine because of you today. So come in. Sit down. Tell me how you are. I know, son, it's good just to see your face. That's the God we serve. He loves us. He wants us to come home. And we, it, it doesn't take much for us to come back home. Really, all it takes is a very simple thing that is one of the easiest things to overlook. And I'm, I'm terrible at it, and it's called prayer. Prayer is what our world needs. Prayer is what the church needs. We need a lot of it. We need it hard. And I can tell you I am terrible at praying in public. Tommy asked me earlier, he was like, you want to do the benediction? I was like, ah, no, I'm good. I'm not good at it. But that's me holding myself back. That's something I should give to God and let him really take care of it. Fast forwarding um, a little bit. When Jacob met Esau, he was so scared that, you know, Esau was going to kill him, but not just him, his wives, his children, and everything that they owned. And when Esau came up to him, Jacob, you know, as he made his way up, he bowed seven times, lowering himself to the floor and bowing to his brother seven times. And then Esau was like, what are you doing, man? Get up hug me. He's like, what is all this stuff that you sent before me? He sent like six, seven hundred animals and servants and all kinds of stuff. He's like, what is all this? I have enough. I don't need this stuff. Just come here. Hugs him and embraces him. So what was Jacob really worried for? Just worried to worry. Not all situations work out like that, but when God's involved, generally they do. Um, and I want to close with one more scripture. 
um, from Genesis chapter 35. Um, we're fast forwarding a little bit more after this, you know, after this whole thing with Jacob and Esau and, and God or Jacob has talked to God and God is telling him to go do something. It's going to say, go back to Bethel, come home. Because Bethel was the first time that he really met God. Um, and Jacob is saying to his household, starting in verse 2, just verse 2 and 3, Jacob said to his household and everybody with him, put away all the foreign gods among you, and purify yourself, and change your clothes. Sometimes it feels good, feels good to change clothes, right? You get home from Sunday ch- or Sunday school or church, and you just like, man, i got to get out of this stuff. Sometimes it's just really sweaty. My shirt's sweaty. I don't know if y'all's is sweaty or not. But um, he says, let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make an altar to the God who answered me in my day of distress and has been with me everywhere that I've gone. And I'll submit to you, church, that's what we should have. That's the kind of faith that we should have. We should know that God is with us everywhere we go. All it takes is going back to Bethel sometimes. Going back to where you really first had that passion for God. And it may not be a physical place. It may not be. I know the place <laughs> the place that I got saved, I'm not going back to because that was in Iraq. I don't I don't have a, you know, a real want to go back to that side of the world anytime soon. Uh, but one of the first places that that I really had a true and genuine genuine connection with God was right out in uh, Fred and Linda Denhart's backyard. They used to let me hunt in a little, you know, a little thicket back there. And I would just go up, sit in my tree stand, and read. And that was just, it was a great, great time for me. And that's one of the reasons that this area is very special to me and my family. So God wants us to come home. God begs us and pleads for us to come home. And sometimes coming home is what we need to get back on track. And thank you for that wonderful message. And I want you to know that I got two very important points out of that. That I'm half right most of the time, but when my wife is right, I'm always right. That is important, and it's nice to know that I'm not the only one who sweats. Um, No, that was a very powerful message, uh, especially for where we are in our society and church today. We want to go home, and we keep thinking of home as a particular spot in this world, but home is always where God calls us to. If God be with us, who can be against us? So thank you for reminding us of that.